Chapter Twenty Two of Grace Harlowe's Third Year at Overton College by Jessie Graham Flower. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Two. Grace's Plan. The Easter vacation slipped away at the same appalling rate of speed that had marked the passing of all Grace's holidays at home. There were so many pleasant things to do, and so many old friends to welcome her return to Oakdale, that she sighed regretfully to think she could not possibly accept one half of the invitations that poured in upon her from all sides. Nora and Jessica had come home from the conservatory to spend Easter at home. So had the masculine half of the eight originals plus two. Then, too, the Phi Sigma Tau, with the exception of Eleanor Savelli, had renewed their vows of unswerving loyalty, and their numerous sessions ate up the time. There was one day set aside, however, on which the little clan had paid a visit to Jean, the old hunter, and Ruth had experienced the satisfaction of seeing and talking with a man who had been her father's friend. The old woodsman had been equally delighted to take Arthur Denton's child by the hand, and the tears had run down his brown, weather-beaten cheeks as he looked into Ruth's face and exclaimed at the resemblance to her father that he saw there. "'You shall yet it. You shall see, mademoiselle,' he had prophesied with a fullness of belief that made Grace resolve to keep on writing to the address Jean had given her, for a year at least, whether or not she received a line in return. She, too, felt confident that Arthur Denton still lived. She was, therefore, more disappointed than she cared to admit when, on returning to Overton, she failed to find an answer to the letters which she had sent to Nantes at stated intervals. Ruth, apprehensive and sick at heart by reason of hope deferred, was striving to be brave in spite of the bitterness of her disappointment. From the beginning she had sternly determined not to be buoyed by false hopes. Then, if she never heard from the letters that she and Grace had been speeding northward, she would have nothing to disturb her peace of mind other than the regret that her dream had never come true. Yet it was hard not to think of her father and not to hope. A late Easter made a short April, and May was well upon them before the students of Overton College awoke to the realization that it was only a matter of days until the senior class would be graduated and gone that the juniors would be seniors, the sophomores juniors, and even the humblest freshmen would take the sweetness of sophomoreship. To Grace the rapid passing of the last days of her junior year brought a certain indefinable sadness. There were times when she wished herself a freshman, that she were ending her first year of college life rather than the third. Only one more year, and it would all be over. Then what lay beyond? Grace never went further than that. She had no idea as to what life would mean to her when her college days were past. She had not yet found her work. Anne would no doubt return to her profession. Miriam intended to study music in Leipzig at the same conservatory where Eleanor Savelli's father and mother had met. Elfreda had long since announced her intention of becoming a lawyer. Ruth fully expected to teach, and even dainty Arlene had hinted that she might take up settlement work. Grace was thinking rather soberly of all this late on Saturday afternoon as she walked slowly across the campus toward Wayne Hall. I really ought to begin to think seriously of my future, she thought. Father and mother would only be too glad to have me stay at home with them. But I feel as though I ought to be up and doing with a heart for any fate, instead of just being a home girl. Miss Duncan said the last time I talked with her that I would some day hit upon my work when I least expected it. I hope it will happen soon. Oh, there's Alberta Wicks, she cried aloud. I must see her at once. 
Alberta! Alberta Wicks, who was within hailing distance, turned abruptly and walked toward Grace. Where have you been of late? I haven't seen you. Did you receive my note? asked Grace, holding out her hand to the other girl. Yes, returned Alberta, a slow red creeping into her cheeks. I meant to come to Wayne Hall, but— She paused, then said with a touch of her old defiance, I might as well tell you the truth. I'm rather afraid of the girls there. Afraid of the girls? repeated Grace. Why are you afraid of them, Alberta? Because I've been so disagreeable, was the low reply. They were very sweet with me the night of your tea party, but I felt as though they bore with me for your sake. On the contrary, they were pleased to entertain you, replied Grace, with a sincerity that even Alberta could not doubt. I hope you will come again soon, and I wish you would bring Miss Hampton with you. Thank you, returned Alberta, but her hesitating reply was equivalent to refusal. She wants to come. But she still believes we don't like her, reflected Grace, as Alberta said good-bye, and walked away with an almost dejected expression on her face. Now is time to put my plan into execution. I'd forgotten it until seeing Alberta brought it back to me. I must propose it to the girls to-night. From the evening on which Alberta had kept her promise to Julia Crosby, and come to Wayne Hall to make peace, Grace had experienced a strong desire to help her sweeten and brighten the last days of her college life. With this thought in mind, she had evolved the idea of giving Alberta and Mary a surprise party at Wellington House, and inviting the Semper Fidelis girls, as well as certain popular seniors and juniors, who would be sure to add to the gaiety of the affair. But when, after dinner, she broached the subject to her three friends, who seated themselves in an expectant row on her couch to hear her plan, she was wholly unprepared for the amount of opposition with which it was received. I can't see why we should exert ourselves to make things pleasant for those two girls, grumbled Elfrida. For almost three years they have taken particular pains to make matters unpleasant for us. The other night I treated Miss Wick civilly for your sake, Grace, not because I am fond of her. I'm afraid you will have considerable trouble in making the other girls promise to help you, demurred Miriam. Neither Miss Wicks nor Miss Hampton have ever done anything to endear themselves to the girls here at Overton. Personally, I believe in letting well enough alone in this case. If you wish to entertain them at Wayne Hall, of course we will stand by you. But I don't believe it would be wise to attempt to give a semi-public demonstration. It would be very humiliating for you if the girls refused to help you. But if they promise to help, they are not likely to break their word, argued Grace, and I shall make a personal call upon every girl on my list. Aren't you afraid that a list may cause jealousy and ill-feeling on the part of certain girls who are not included in it? was Anne's apprehensive question. And you too, Anne! exclaimed Grace in a hurt voice, looking her reproach. No, I don't see why it should cause any ill-feeling whatever. We're not making it a class affair. There will be perhaps thirty girls invited. Aside from the surety that we'll have a good time, I believe we'll be going far toward displaying the true Overton spirit. Of course, if you girls feel that you don't wish to enter into this with me, then I shall have to go on alone, for I am determined to do it. At least you can't gracefully refuse to come to the surprise party, she ended, with a little catch in her voice. Grace Harlow, you big goose, exclaimed Elfrida, springing to Grace's side and winding both arms about her. Did you believe for one instant that we wouldn't stand by you no matter what you planned to do? I am ashamed of myself. 
If it hadn't been for me, you would never have had any trouble with either Alberta Wicks or Mary Hampton. Plan whatever you like, and I set my hand and seal upon it that I'll aid you and abet you to the fullest extent of my powers. And so will I, cried Miriam. I'm sorry I croaked. And to think that I was a wet blanket, too, murmured Anne, patting one of Grace's hands. You are perfect angels, all of you, declared Grace, her grey eyes shining. I know I'm always dragging you into things and making you help me for friendship's sake. But they are always the right sort of things, retorted Elfreda with an affectionate loyalty. Let us atone for our defection by making ourselves useful, proposed Anne, picking up paper and pencil from the writing table. I'll write the names of those eligible to the surprise party if you'll supply them. After considerable discussion, erasing, crossing out, and re-establishing the list of names was finally declared to be satisfactory. "'Is there any particular friend of either of these girls that we have forgotten to include?' asked Anne, as she carefully scanned the list. "'What of Kathleen West?' asked Elfreda. Grace shook her head. "'I believe it would be better not to ask her,' she said. "'She wouldn't come. Besides, she might—' Grace stopped. She had been tempted to say that Kathleen would be likely to tell tales and spoil the surprise. "'I know what you are going to say. You believe she would tell Alberta our plans and spoil the party,' was Elfreda's blunt comment. "'Well, so do I believe it. Anyone can see that.' Grace smiled at Elfreda's emphatic statement. "'It is wiser not to ask her,' she said again. "'There are four of us, and we can count on Arlene and Ruth. That leaves twenty-four girls to be invited. Divided—' That is six girls to each one of us. You must each choose the six girls you will agree to see and make it your business to invite them to the party. Try to make them promise to come, for we don't want to change the list. What are we going to have to eat? asked Elfreda. That is an extremely important feature of any jollification. I always think of things to eat, even though I don't eat them. Just thinking of them can't make one stout, and it is a world of satisfaction. We'd better have different kinds of sandwiches. "'Olives and pickles, and what else?' asked Grace. "'Ice cream and cake. "'We might have salted nuts and lemonade, too,' added Miriam. "'It sounds good to me,' averred Elfreda, relaxing into slang. "'But don't rely on the girls to bring stuff. "'Assess them fifty cents apiece with the understanding "'that another tax will be levied if necessary.' "'That is sound advice,' laughed Miriam. "'But it means that the duty and making of the sandwiches must fall upon us.' "'I guess I can stand it,' nodded Elfreda, with a sudden generosity. "'I'll take the sandwich-making upon myself, if you say so. "'You all know perfectly well that I can neither be equalled nor surpassed "'when it comes to the eats problem. "'Candidly, I'm ashamed of myself, because I didn't respond when Grace first asked me to help, "'and this sandwich task is going to be my act of atonement. "'So, Anne, you and Miriam had better get busy, too, and decide what yours will be, for we've all been found guilty of lacking college spirit, and we've got to make good. I'll pledge myself to collect the money for the refreshments as a further act of atonement, volunteered Anne. And I'll do the shopping for you when the money is collected, promised Miriam. Thanks to the careful training of J. Elfreda Briggs, I know what to buy and where to buy it. But you are leaving nothing for me to do, protested Grace. There will be plenty of things for you to do, declared Elfreda. You'll have to keep an eye on us and see that we perform our tasks with diplomacy and skill. It requires a great deal of diplomacy to make sandwiches, doesn't it, Elfreda? was Anne's innocent observation. 
"'You know very well I wasn't referring to the making of the sandwiches,' retorted Elfreda with a good-natured grin. "'Tis the delivering of the invitations tis going to require a wily, sugar-coated tongue. The majority of the girls are not fond of either Alberta Wicks or Mary Hampton. The very ones you believe will help you may prove to be the most prejudiced.' "'I'm well aware of that,' flung back Grace laughingly. "'I received an unexpected demonstration of it a few moments ago.' "'So you did,' responded Elfreda, unabashed. "'I hadn't forgotten it, either. "'Therefore, I repeat that you will have your hands full "'managing the ethical side of this surprise party. "'You will have to interview the girls we can't persuade to come, "'for there are sure to be some of them "'who will raise the same objections that we did, "'and if they do accept, it will only be to please Grace Harlow.'" End of chapter 22 Recording by Ashley Jane